welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Warren. Salutations. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 3, which is titled Do One, Teach One, Kill One. The episode aired on October 5th, 1995. Lauren, what was going on this week 25 years ago? God damn it, the way you phrased this headline, um, the glove doesn't fit. O.J. Simpson is found not guilty of the murders of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. Great. That's... <laughs> that was part of his I defense. I know. Just oof. Not guilty doesn't mean innocent, kids. Exactly. Yep, nope. Not off to a great but, start there. But if... But he... But he does... Well, we now know if he did it, how he would. Did Didn't anyone else actually read that biography? book? No. I did not. I, I read that book in high school. It is horrifying. And I, and I still need to watch that, uh, the... Uh, what's it the fx series the american crime story it is, yes it is uh amazingly trashy like it is it's really good but it's trashy good like yes yeah, of course it's, it's from american horror story TV, creators but it's really good yeah, that makes sense um onward oasis's second album what's the story morning glory is released to you to near universal acclaim the album spawned the still popular to this day singles wonderwall don't look back in anger and champagne supernova it went on to sell 22 million copies worldwide, which, holy shit. And college radio was never the same. And college radio <laughs> was never the same. Anyways, here's Wonderwall. Anyways, yeah. Despite all that, Fantasy by Mariah Carey takes the number one spot on the music charts for this week. And people still want to know what's in the box as Seven holds the number one spot at the box office for second week in a row. What's in the box? What's in the box? I was waiting for one of you to do it. Goddamn. Well, this week, at least 35.6 million people are in the box watching this week's episode. <laughs> they're watching the box. They're not in yeah. the box. Maybe they're in the box, too. I don't know. Um, That's, we're getting existential here. They're, they're in the Nielsen the box because they counted for the ratings. Hey. hey. Uh, 35.6 million viewers for this week's episode, up slightly from the 33 point whatever it was for last week. This week's episode is directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala. Uh, who also directed The Gift in season one and did 12 episodes total uh, through 2007. Uh, He also has directed, he's actually a pretty kind of prolific TV drama director. He's done um, a bunch of different shows, um, including Third Watch, Battlestar Galactica, and Breaking Bad. And this episode was written by Paul Manning, who is very prolific um he did six episodes in season one alone um and he's all over the show as a whole um he directed stuff directed and or produced i'm sorry wrote and or produced uh episodes almost all the way through the whole run of the show cool uh well we open this episode up with uh jen interrupting mark's shower which just what the hell is going on with them (laughs) Like, uh, I like obviously we know that they break up at some point, and I'm just like, I could have sworn it was sooner than this. Yeah. Maybe this is... maybe we all misremembered it, and they're together through the whole series. And Elizabeth, <laughs> no! and Elizabeth Corday was just a dream. No! Just a fever dream. I was really hoping they were going to do the full pullback, and he was still going to be in the boxers from the, the previous episode. <laughs> like, like, he's like Tobias Funke, like he's a never nude. <laughs> this is the episode where there we find out Mark Green is a never nude. Dozens! Like, can't you just see him, like, chewing on the washcloth and crying, like, <laughs> from yeah. the development? Mark blew himself. It's fine. Um, he's, dis- he's discussing where he might crash uh, in Chicago over- overnight if he has to, when he has back-to-back shifts, just because, you know, obviously taking the train two hours and then have to be back on the train, like, 
what, like maybe like four hours later or something like that, it's probably not the best idea for, you know, your overall health. So does this imply that they fucking sold their house or like stopped renting it? I would imagine. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's never covered, but I mean, it's got to have gotten expensive after a while. I was going to say, I imagine on a someone on two, I imagine smaller salaries since, but well, maybe Mark got a raise. Yeah, you probably got a little bump. I still imagine it's not very cost efficient to maintain two apartments. And especially, you know, if Mark wants to be in the same place as Jen and Rachel as much as he possibly can, you know, if you're going to take a two hour train ride every every now and then. Plus, hey, he's rewarded for not having a place to stay in Chicago because he gets to see some more tits tonight. (laughs) Spoiler. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm just staring at how poorly I spelled the word responsibilities on this next bit. Um, Carter and Benton are discussing the surgical sub-eye, and Carter's complaining that he wants more, thank you, he wants more responsibilities, and he's just like, it's time for me to have my own patience, I didn't think I'd just be following you around taking care of yours, and Benton's like, alright, well, give me the rundown on this patient, and Carter starts going into details about this gentleman and potential fluid in the in the lungs and the minute Harper walks by he starts doing the like peacocking posturing how he's um how he's presenting it he uses more um like big words and technical words and he fucking as he's doing this he puts the um the x-ray film up then he put as he's um describing what's on the film he realizes that he has it backwards and just awkwardly like pulls it off and flips it around and it's just like She's just shaking her head, going, "This man's an idiot, and he's adorable." But like, he's just a little thirsty. Come on, yeah, you, can't, you just, can't blame him. He just wants to dip his wick, and he's just so <laughs> so dumb. This is this is what I was talking about back in the the premiere episode for season two. Like, this is what I was talking about of where I was afraid her entire existence as a character was just going to be a table leg for him to be humping the whole season, like just chasing after her, like because really she hasn't really done very much of interest so far other than just make him act like an idiot no but i'm hoping she gets something more interesting to do as we go along she does she does do him a solid at the end of this episode though true yeah they do have a lot of interesting moments towards in the later third of this one but anyway so moving on from there um we see carol is still with the ambulance boys um doing the last run of her um recertification um, they are going into an apartment building where a morbidly obese guy with uh, a lot of rabbits, um, I guess like a, a welfare check or whatever was called in by his landlord. There's not really a, like a, a huge medical reason other than like no emergent medical reason for them to have to take him. Like he's not having a heart attack. He's not unconscious. He's not seizing. Like there's nothing, nothing that, that would scream like this man needs an ambulance other than the fact that he is surrounded by these rabbits and has been kind of sitting in his own excrement for weeks on end um and this guy is really big they can't even get him out of the chair they end up just wheeling the chair out on a dolly um and he's gonna kind of weirdly enough like provide like this overall arc for the episode sort of like the theme like we keep going back to the song that he's singing and like it it just sets up a lot of things for the episode as a whole um so we'll check in with him more later he really gives the soul of the episode just mm-hmm. yeah. as that through line, yeah. But yeah, and I just love when Shep's like, how are we going to get him out? And the landlady's like, I brought a dolly. <laughs> He's um, like, I just cleaned the rig. <laughs> just just some just some mild fat phobia for... Yeah, Shep's a real whiny boy in this episode. I mean, he he's is. kind of a whiny boy in general, but yeah. he's he has a couple of real, real shining moments in this episode where I'm like, mm, I forgot, you kind of suck. Yeah. 
So from there, we go into the episode with some bangs. We're still on the bangs. Um, and I just wanted to note when, and I've noticed this the past few times while I've been staring at the credits, um, it always bugs me that during the credits, they intercut a shot of Doug looking around in between the Juliana Margulies clips. So when they have her name up, they show her and then they show Doug and then they go back to her. Whereas like all the other main characters, I believe they just get their through lines. I choose my headcanon on that and I could be wrong, but I choose to believe that that is because, because if you notice all of the like shots that they use for the, the uh, theme sequence, like with everybody mm-hmm. are all from like the first one or two episodes of the series. Um, so I choose to believe that the only reason that they have to like cut in intersperse Doug in there is because in the pilot, like the longest lingering shot we would have of Carol would be like on the gurney unconscious, like pretty much almost dead. (laughs) Like, and that's not a very pleasant visual for anybody. So they had to like stretch to make the time and the beats work. So they were just like, ah, just throw a, throw Clooney in there for a second. Like nobody's going to complain about more Clooney. And yeah, come on. It's season two, though. Got to give. Gotta oh, give yeah. They, they, they change it as they go forward. Usually, though, it's not until they add another main cast character, which we still got a little bit of a ways to go before Weaver um, makes it into the, the intro. But yeah, it's um, she's defined by her relationship, guys. It's fine. It's fine. She doesn't have any agency or character development of her own. It's fine. She doesn't even doesn't even have that relationship right now, but it's it's no big deal. We all know that's where yeah. we're going. But getting back to the episode, we come back with uh, Jerry at the admit desk looking very professional and very put together and very <laughs> fancy. And by well, fancy by ER standards. He's wearing a he's wearing a shirt and a tie and even though he's even though, you know A tie that he kinda looks like he borrowed from Doug. Yeah. Yeah. He's cleaned up by Jerry's standards. We typically see yeah. him in the lab coat and the t-shirt. But he's wearing a nice, he's wearing a nice tie. He's wearing a nice shirt. It looks all nice and pressed and dry cleaned. And uh, he's talking with Susan about Chloe, and find out Chloe has going to the is going to the Diesel Mechanics Academy now. Cool. Yeah. Oof. Just a another <laughs> another notch in the belt of excellent life choices there for Chloe. God damn it, Chloe. This is a lot of goddamn it, Chloe, this episode. So then we go, we zoom back to Mitchell, the overweight gentleman. Is it Susan that's examining him, I believe? I want to say it's Susan. Yeah, she says he's at risk for cerebral hemorrhage. He starts crying, worrying about who's his rabbits and who's going to feed them. And as he's crying about this, Carol and Susan are, like, looking him over and everything. And Shep walks in, like... Like, oh, the rig's finally clean, whatever. And um, as he's doing that, Carol looks at him, and they're like, he'll feed your rabbits. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, just, she's got Shep around her finger. His poor face, too. He's like, no. No. Like, I don't want to. But those, those rabbits are so cute. So then we go over and, and see, uh, see Doug's first trauma of the episode. Uh, he has a little boy who... Uh, wouldn't wake up from his nap we find out he uh, has aids as well see this is what i was talking about towards the end of season one like i feel like we go to the aids thing way more than any other type of case i mean it's um, kind of the hot topic of yeah i guess it is sort the of mid 90s topic du jour his mom is far and away the um oh hey it's that person of this episode and maybe one of the biggest we've had in the show to this point um his mom is played by lucy Liu. Um, who you know from Ooh. a million different things, but this has probably got to be one of her earliest roles, I would imagine, at least mainstream. I know she did an episode of X-Files around this time, too. 
but yeah, so she's she's playing the mom, um, and the little boy uh, we discover through the course of them working through the trauma that he has OD'd on Delantin. So we will he will be with us for a big chunk of the episode here. So we'll check back with him later. Favorite Lucy Liu movie? Go. Oh God. Uh, um, really I'm gonna be judged and also age myself. Charlie's Angels. I was gonna say that's the first thing okay. that jumped into my mind, but I don't I'm really go- remember if that movie's any good. <laughs> so I'm going for it. it because Sam Rockwell is amazing in it. Drew Barrymore is phenomenal. Um, Lucy Liu is great. Uh, it's it, it it I don't know if it ages well, but it's a fun one for and Bill Murray's in it. Probably it's Kill actually Bill. surprisingly. Yeah, was, that's oh what, that, shit, she's in that Kill was Bill be mine. too. As Oren Ishii, the baddest bitch I've oh uh, fucking uh, I just <laughs> now I suck. No, no, you don't. You just love Charlie's Angels. You just didn't grow up on There's Tarantino nothing, movies yeah. like I did. There's nothing wrong with loving Charlie's Angels. That's fine. But but it's it's like, okay, Charlie's Angels or Tarantino. I sound like an uncultured swine. It's apples and oranges. Yeah. That's They're both movies. So just just to clarify, um, too, this was not... It, it is one of her earlier roles. It's not her first or anything. She did that episode of X-Files the same... Um, or the next year, in 96. This is 95. Her first role um, was back in 1991. She did an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. Cool. Getting her on the TV circuit before she gets those movie roles churning along. All right. So from there, we go over to Carter doing a plural lavage on Ed, trying to drain some of that fluid that's around his heart, lungs... lungs. In lungs. His lungs. That's uh, I thought it was around his lungs. Think either way, draining some fluid yeah. in or around his lungs. Yeah, either way. But he's doing it kind of in a sh- his show offy way with Harper, and uh, he sort of starts to get he gets a little fluid out, but then starts to sort of trickle away, and he's like, "Well, shit, this isn't working." So he tries to go a little bit further because he thinks he hits what he thinks is like some scar tissue or is an adhesion or something like that. And then he punctures the dude's, likely punctures the dude's lung, and blood starts just pouring out, and the guy just the guy starts screaming in pain, you know, like you would if someone punctured your lung with a huge fucking needle. Mm. And yeah, he's, at first he's like, and Harper's like, oh my god, do we know we get Benton? And at first he's like, no, no, it's fine. Okay, go get Benton. <laughs> yeah, and you know something's really wrong with Ed because not only the blood spouting into the container, but also at first when. When the clear fluid is going, he sighs in relief and like he feels better. But then the minute that blood starts, he's like, ah, like, nope, not great. So then we, we go and we check over at Doug with, with the little boy and Lucy Lou. Um, the little boy's name is Shay Shay and he wakes up. So he's stable and everything. And Doug lets um, his mom come over and talk to him and just soothe him and everything. So. For now, he's stable. We're going to kind of figure out more about what's going on with him and what happened. But good news is he's awake. He's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Yay. And then we get uh, Benton checking in on uh, Ed. Going to jump back over to that. Uh, and he tells Carter, Jesus, you were supposed to you're supposed to drain his lung, not biopsy his liver. Uh, they rush him up to the OR. And as they're rolling the Gertie away, Carter just kind of standing there dejectedly saying out loud, thinking out loud, there goes next year's surgical internship, which I really hate as a like a character motivation for him. Like it's kind of a a little bit of a a flashback to him and Chen's competition thing, but of a different sort of flavor now. Like it's I, I don't like seeing Carter put in a position where he puts anything other than the health of the patient as his first and foremost sort of concern like he's so sort of like patient focused 
um, especially later on, that it's odd and it's jarring to see him so like kind of selfishly focused right now where his main concern is not like, oh, I might have killed this guy. His his main concern is, oh, I fucked up my career. Like, yeah, it's just kind of like it's not a flattering look on him. No, and it's definitely not the Carter we come to know and love either. Exactly. So we go and we we zoom over to Halle is being interviewed about Mark as the new attending um, because Wendy is doing an excerpt for the newsletter. And this is going to be another through line for the episode and we get some really good laughs from this. And so Halle is talking and she's talking about how he used to be such a wet behind the ears little like first year student and how she could get him to scrub bedpans and like he would he she would say jump and he'd say how high and just just you know how how over polite and just wonderful he was as a med student and it's just it's very cute and (laughs) Wendy goes would you say he was green and Halei looks at her completely seriously and is like no Wendy I would never say that I also like how she takes time to point out that he had the most beautiful golden locks. Yes. <laughs> Take the time to drag him on his hair. I just in true ER camaraderie fashion, which he really did. One of the, the one of the Facebook groups that we're a part of for the fans of the show, they uh, they posted a picture of him, I believe, from Fast Times at Ridgemont High back in the mid '80s. And holy shit, did he have some hair! Like, if, I'm gonna have to go look this up. How just, far I've he just fell in just like ten bald. years. Good lord. Uh, well, after that, we jump over. We're go- in, we're at, we have our first audio clip here. Uh, we have we are in the OR with uh, Doctor Hicks and Benton. They are trying to clean up Carter's mess that he made. So let's give that a listen. Oh my god! Wait, hold on. Holy shit! <laughs> I told you, bro. Total. Okay, guy. we are we are. What the fuck? That's not the same person. It is. It, is the it same definitely person. is. You can tell the mousy face. Yeah. That is. He doesn't do very shit. much in the movie. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but he doesn't do very much in the movie as as I recall. I think he's just he's mostly high the whole time. Like he's he's just sort of a background character to look sleepy eyed and giggle occasionally. I am just having my mind blown over here. Let's listen to the audio. <laughs> okay. Retract the liver inferiorly. Rotate the right lobe. Oh, there she blows. Hit the hepatic vein. Nice shot, Carter. Fibroproline. I'm really sorry, Dr. Hicks. It's just when I felt resistance. It felt exactly it. like an adhesion that I had before with the patient's history of emphysema. I just figured that... Oh, one-handed, Peter. You've been practicing. Just, I'm really sorry. Carter, it happens. It's all right. My best student once did a sigmoidoscopy. Punched through and saw the appendix. <laughs> Sound familiar, Peter? Mets. What I'm more concerned about now is the condition of this man's liver. Feel that. Hard as a rock and shrivel like an old shoe. Gallon a day drinker. At least. Look at the size of those mesenteric veins. What does that suggest to you, Carter? Portal hypertension. And what are the hallmarks of portal hypertension? Hepatomedusa, esophageal varices, hemorrhoids, ascites, splenomegaly. Good. I wouldn't give this liver three weeks. NG's returning blood. Varices are bleeding. Lucky we're here to do something about it. Portal bypass? We could. We deliver this Uzi. Have you ever done a TIPS procedure? No. I'd like to. I bet. In fact, it's an excellent case for teaching. Sylvia, round up all surgical residents who aren't busy. Tell them we're starting a TIPS. Standing room only. What do you know, Carter? You did this guy a favor. Way to go, Carter. You fucked up in the you, you uh, Carter is the uh, apparently the epitome of that 
that guy just falling down all the way through off the slide, almost off the slide, but then into the pool. <laughs> Nailed just it. In. <laughs> I've never seen that. I'll show you. Okay. Let's later. Get, let's continue. Okay. First off, it's so great to hear more Hicks. Always. That's also why I wanted to get this audio, too. Because, again, we don't have enough CCH, CCH Pounder in our lives. Both on the show and just, you know, in general. Also, God, that audio is so oozy. Very, yeah. very crunchy. I like the um, I like the unspoken sort of implication that Benton was uh, Hicks' student. I thought that was very, uh, very cute. Very subtle, very nice. Which is weird, because she's, like, new last season. Yeah, no, it's a little bit of a retcon, but I, I'm inclined to go with it because I like her so much. Fair. I'll live with it. And then we go Susan's first patient and kind of her main patient for the episode. Um, she is she walks like through the ER and she's hearing this high pitched tone and she looks over to see a gentleman using a Tibetan singing bowl because he says it eases his anxiety. And I noticed um first off, this guy's name is Mr. Holthouse. I noticed he has a very strange affectation in his speech and it's just like it's very, you know, low and slow and just, you know, it it's just different. And I think it's part of like the whole hippie vibe that they try to give us and um for him and he's talking about all these relaxation techniques he can tell Susan about because she looks really stressed. So we find out that he I don't know if I said this or not, but he's been dealing with um a lot of dizziness along with just stress and anxiety. So we're going to come back to him a little bit later and see you know what the deal is with his um with his stuff and I'm losing my train of thought. So yeah, we'll come back to him. We'll find out what's going on. Show me this gif real quick because it's distracting me. Perfect. <laughs> um, then we go back to the uh, nurse's station desk, whatever you want to call it. Admit desk. Admit desk, okay. Um, everyone's complimenting Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy. Everyone's complimenting Jerry on his outfit. Uh, turns out he's been promoted, but only in title. What? Literally nothing has changed. And he just feels fancier and gets to put something nice on his resume. Literally no pay increase, no increased responsibilities, no anything. Yay, capitalism. So, congrats, cool. Jerry. Congrats. And then, quick little thing. Mitchell has a seizure. I couldn't even watch this one. It was so poorly done. It just, too vocal for me, too like rolling movements it wasn't so much clench unclench it was like he was undulating from what i saw and it was mm. just it was it was low on my ratings for poorly acted seizures they get him stabilized but it's not really there's like really no there's nothing that comes from this scene it's just kind of in there just to have some drama of oh my god a seizure is scary is it this is it here or was it earlier where we got to see carol do we see kind of her propensity for quick math and stuff um when they're trying to figure out his dose of medication was that here that was when he's seizing i feel like it is because they're trying to it may have been figure out because i feel like that's the one takeaway from it is we get that little bit of character development with carol that maybe necessarily doesn't carry through like i don't know that they ever really make a point or go out of their way to be like oh she's really good at math from here on out but it does sort of give you a little bit of a glimpse into later on where they would sort of play with the idea of carol becoming a doctor and like that so like that she has this like capacity for more and that she's she's really smart and all that stuff you know like it's just a little tiny bit of a, a character moment for her uh, so then we get uh, 
go jump back over and check in with uh, Doug's patient, Cheche, who is stable now, um, and they're going to get him admitted up to the uh, PEDS ICU. Turns out that the doctor on rotation at the clinic they go to, they see a different doctor every time, and the doctor on rotation gave her two prescriptions, or du- a duplicate prescription for like a generic version of a drug they already had. So essentially, it, it was two different names, but he's taking the same medicine. So that's how he ended up getting overdosed on the Dilantin. Um, so... Lucy Lou followed the instructions exactly as she was supposed to, and Doug sort of has to eat crow a little bit from where he was browbeating her a little bit earlier. Like, what did you do? Like, cause, he was very high on his horse. Yeah, if there's if there's one thing that Doug loves more than browbeating women or mothers of color, it is uh, correcting Jeez. correcting injustices in the uh, process and the system. Like, because it's like <laughs> you can al- you can almost see his like white knight costume, you know surrounding him like a power ranger as he's like oh i get to go yell at somebody in the peds clinic okay like he's 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 ready to go yeah for sure good job doug once in a while you he's gonna he's gonna make it right by the end of this episode but a little bit of a shithead that's doug that's 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 our our little shithead so then we go back to Susan and Mr. Holthouse. She walks in trying to find him because he's not in his bed. And he's in the corner doing a handstand or a headstand rather. Um, just And he's like, it's weird. I'm still dizzy even when I'm upside down. Huh. And she's like, okay, well, we can't rule out anything else for you. So let's do a CT scan. And the minute she says that, Carrie's, Carrie's with her. And she's like, Susan, can I talk to you in the hall for a minute? And Susan goes in the hall, and Carrie's like, that's a $1,500 procedure. You don't need to be doing that. It could be so many other things that don't require a head scan. And so Carrie's like, you have to run all your procedures by me in the future. Uh, by the way, why aren't your charts up to date during your shift? Nobody can follow what you're doing. because, like, like, I don't know what's going on with your patients because it's not in your charts. And Susan's like, oh, I, ke- I keep it all in my note cards and update my charts at the end of the shift. And Carrie's like, well, that doesn't work. You need to be doing it. Like, I find time. Why can't you? Carrie just immediately ingratiating herself to, yeah. the, to the to the ER staff. Really finding ways to work on that communication style in a productive manner. Making friends fast. So yeah, the Carrie and, and Susan saga continues. So then we go back over and we find out that Mitchell has unfortunately passed away. Um, so yeah, as they're, as we go into the room, Carol is like kind of covering him up with the sheet and Shep walks in. Uh, carrying one of his rabbits uh, a particularly dirty rabbit and Shep is singing Mitchell the song that Mitchell was singing when they took him out of the apartment he starts singing it while holding the rabbit and he's like kind of like (laughs) kind of like nudging Carol to sing along with him very weird little moment there as like (laughs) and Carol looks super uncomfortable the whole time but it's a nice little in memory of yeah I guess like I think that's I think that's kind of what they're going for is that it's supposed to be like a little thing and then they sing it as Mark comes by for something and so it gets stuck in Mark's Oh yeah, Mark starts singing a little bit of it too um, which I thought was sort of a funny little callback because we had a a similar moment remember back in early season one where there was a psych patient who was singing a song and they start singing or humming along with him Yep, or he just sounded like a car alarm and so they started to like Yeah, that uh, one too uh, uh. There's a lot of good moments with them like that. But yep. moving on from here, uh, we got our next clip for you here, you good folks. Uh, we have uh, Doug put donning his uh, donning his white cape and yelling at the Peds Clinic folks. And then we have Susan uh, Susan talking to Mark about Carrie. So here we go. 
No, he is a patient of yours. Che Che Lo, he's a four-year-old with AIDS. He'll try to remember because you almost killed him by giving him a Dilantin prescription when one of your cohorts already had him on Phenytoin. Do people talk to each other? <clears throat> Making friends again? Idiots at the Peds Clinic, double-double, that kid's prescription almost killed him. Get her off my back. Her? Weaver, she just dressed me down in the hallway for ordering a CT. Ah, uh, we're getting a lot of pressure from upstairs. She scours my charts looking for errors. She treats me with disdain. You want me to talk to her? Yeah, tell her to cut me some slack. That is part one of a <laughs> sort of a two-parter. So we have Susan talking with Mark now, and then a little bit later we will have Carrie talking with Mark. But yeah, Duggan just in full white knight mode. Yeah. So we go over to the tips liver procedure on Ed, and Hicks is narrating it while Benton does the procedure, and Carter watches like a good little student boy. And once Benton gets it right, <laughs> Hicks goes, and the liver is reborn. Hallelujah. And at the very end of this, we see him start to go in, um, into heart distress. And yeah, so they start crashing. bringing out the paddles. Yeah, he starts yeah. crashing. So we don't see what happens with that, but he starts crashing the minute they get the liver fixed. Now looking good for Mr. Ed. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I can't make a nay nor a winnie. Oh, oh. I was not prepared for a Mr. Ed reference in this episode, but here Deep we are. Deep cuts. Whew. I watched a lot of Nick and I as a child. What can I say? I watched a lot of I Love Lucy. I didn't see a lot of Mr. Ed. Yeah, there was a couple. It was on there a couple little bit. Okay. Or maybe it was some other random like TV show, the TV channel that my dad watched growing up. I don't know. He watched a lot of old timey shit. My dad's old. No. I love him though. Love you, Dad. Now I need to finish. I need to keep watching my Mash read watch through or there. watch through for the first time. But anyway, uh, we, now we have the other, now we have Carrie talking with Mark, discussing Susan. So let's listen to that side of the story. Hey, Carrie, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Good. But there's something we need to talk about. Oh? Susan Lewis. Oh. This is a bit awkward. I, I mean, I know you two are friends, but she seems to resent my being here, and it is creating some tension. You know, I picked up on that. Are you sure you had nothing to do with her ability? She's really quite competent but her attitude is openly hostile it's probably a communication thing you know i mean you're uh, you're very authoritative which is great but your assertiveness it, it, it might be off-putting to some believe me i'm aware of that and that, that's why i bent over backwards to be sensitive with susan uh-huh. i'd rather you not say anything but i wanted to make you aware that this is a potential problem area right thank you uh-huh. the manager speak from him <laughs> i was gonna say first things first Holy shit, it is so fucking weird to see Carrie actually reporting to Mark. Yeah. I'm so used to that dynamic being either them being equals or them being or Carrie being Mark's superior. It like it just registered it just registered so hard that like, oh wait, yeah, no. Carrie's the junior here. Mm-hmm. She's the chief resident. Mark's the attending. Wait a minute. And even still it doesn't seem like it that's how it is like it doesn't come across that she's junior to him it comes across that she's telling him what to do but that's just carrie but still (laughs) it it was very weird to even see yeah that dynamic a little bit yeah and he's doing his full-blown like manager talk there where it's like you you have to like delicately dance around issues and you have to like tell a person about their most annoying trait, but make it seem like it's a positive. He's like, you're really authoritative, which is great. 
it's like you send a lot of emails, which is great, you know, but it's like you just have to, I've, I've had to do that dance a few times and it's, uh, it's never fun. So I'm on Susan's side on this. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I do think she could ease up a little bit. Like I think much like we discussed in last, I think last week's episode about how she's trying to come in all guns blazing and and change everything overnight i think that that has led to a lot of friction between her and susan and i think she could stand to cut her a little bit of a break i think that's fair i don't know i'm i'm torn because i understand that urge to want to improve processes when you see that stuff's a mess and you're you're coming into something and you see the, the ways that it could improve for efficiency's sake and to make everybody's lives a lot easier but i also think you know the medium is the message and mm-hmm. she could be doing a lot better job with how she's communicating it and how she's implementing these things. Yeah. There's a balance to be struck between, you know, preserving existing morale while also right. improving processes. Yeah. But that's my, that's my corporate heartlessness going on there. So <laughs> synergy. So then unfortunately, Mr. Ed, beloved <laughs> Mr. Ed has passed away and Carter takes it really hard because it was his first official patient. Like, Benton gave Ed to him and was like, yeah, fine, he's your patient. Great. And this is how it how it comes out. And um, it was a heart failure. It had nothing to do with him perfing the liver. But Carter's like, if he hadn't been on the table, his, his heart wouldn't have given out. He might have lasted a while longer. And Benton tries really hard to, like, soothe Carter and just be like, look, he didn't have that long. His liver was going to go in like three weeks anyway. You know, this is how we learn. Like, Benton's really gentle with Carter on this Surprisingly one. Surprisingly yeah, so. Really, yeah, it's really nice to see. And also, when we when you said Mr. Ed died, and what immediately popped in my head was, bah, bah, little <laughs> Sebastian. We're just, we're just eight steps away from ER at this point. Great. Um, hey, Parks and Rec is never eight steps away from me at any time. Especially yes. with how much like reverence and significance they seem to treat, particularly with Carter, they seem to treat his biggest moments or like his most significant things in his life and career throughout his time on the show. It's surprising to me that they never ever refer to Ed ever again. Like they never like they don't make any sort of big deal out of him being Carter's first official patient. Like that pretty much goes away after this episode that's never referred to again never um addressed as like a significant thing in his career as he gets you know closer to the end and it's one of the few things i think that's like a a quote-unquote significant first or a significant thing for him that just kind of fades away and that's sort of i mean i get why because it's not a particularly interesting case and it's not particularly like memorable but it's just I think it's notable that it's one of the only things that they don't really like carry forward for him. Hmm. I never thought about that, but yeah, you're right. And shifting gears entirely. uh, Wendy's still doing her uh, staff interviews about Mark and Doug's is about 30 seconds long and we're going to listen to it and is probably the funniest 30 seconds of ER Mm -hmm. yet. Yep. So let's hear it. Uh, what can I say about Mark Green that hasn't already been said? I think everybody knows how he he overcame adversity as a child of Quakers, his years in exile, his political writings and limericks, his mod period with the turtlenecks, his blue period, and of course his ruthless march to power and the silencing of his rivals. Dr. Ross? Dr. Ross? Hmm? Oh man, I choose to believe that was improvised. 
<laughs> it's so good. It's so Either so way, good. it's absolutely fantastic. His ruthless march to power. <laughs> Silencing of his rivals. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, I love Clooney. I do, too. I just want to watch Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I don't know why. That just sounds like a very soothing idea right now. And while while this interview is going on, the reason that he gets distracted and poor Wendy has to call him back to attention is because Randy shows up. We get our first we get our first appearance of Randy, and Doug is absolutely besotted because <laughs> she is looking fine in her beautiful red shirt, and I think it's I'm not sure if it's a dress or if it's a shirt, but she's looking good. Like Randy always does. She's she's looking put together. Oh yeah, and she, looked, she always looked way more put together than any than she reasonably has to be. Yeah, for and, a clerk. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't realize how much I was excited for Randy. Yeah, it definitely file this under. Um, didn't think it was this early. Like, right. I was surprised to see we were getting Randy already. Uh, Randy being played by actress Kristen Minter and she will this is her first of 71 appearances uh, between now and 2003 so she'll be with us for quite a quite a good while here um, off and on you know kind of like Jerry does Jerry floats in and out between episodes which um, I did note that Randy's arrival means that we failed to note Timmy's exit because there's there's no crossover with Randy and Tim but Timmy hasn't left for good yet. Timmy will be back around season 10 or so very briefly. And he left very quietly after luck of the draw in season one. Um, there's no storyline, uh, no storyline explanation for why Timmy's gone. He just is there one episode gone the next until season 10 or so. And then he will be back. Neat. Um, and then quick shot over. Mark is now singing Mitchell's song while he is sorting through his headshots for the newsletter and trying to decide which one he wants. To be in there. So just a cute little thing that that, that earworm carries through the episode. <laughs> it's going to be stuck in my head now. Thank you. So then we uh, go back and find out more about Randy's uh, role within the ER. She will be reporting to Jerry and he she needs a physical and he wants someone. Uh, he's looking for someone in, in one of the doctors to do it. Um, and Doug walks up right at the moment and there's this amazing nonverbal comedy between uh doug randy mark and jerry like not a word needs to be said and it still manages to be really funny and i I also appreciate too he finally get he finally ends up getting dr lewis to do the physical and he's like dr lewis we have have a new employee physical are you available she's like breathe in breathe out you're fine where's the form like it's just like perfectly done (laughs) like she is so like on level 10 done with all the bullshit in the er lately that she's i'm but wasn't that later on no i think it's right i think it's now because i don't think i don't think we see randy after this in this episode at least um we just kind of get introduced to her and then she kind of becomes more more prevalent as we go forward okay i'm I'm gonna take your word for it i could have sworn it was a little later but okay and then we we go back to Mr. Holthouse for a second. It turns out he just has an inner ear inflammation. So Susan tells him, no being on your head, no no getting in your sensory deprivation tank. Like, just calm for two weeks. Don't do all this crazy shit. And he insists on giving her the Tibetan singing bowl because it's his spare and she looks like she could use it for how stressed out she is. I think we could all use one of those right about now. Um, but for now, then we go over to the ambulance bay. Uh, looks like a, uh, a, a rather large gentleman has broken out 
of his restraints because he's on PCP. And he's climbed on top of Shep and Roll's rig and is screaming. Free, what's and uh, what's the name? Mara. Like Marta. Mara. Yeah. And Carol does does her best to try to talk him him down. And this, we do get the lovely line from Shep here, where it's like, "Why don't we just shoot him?" Great, Shep. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Mental, yeah. Man having a, a mental crisis here. You want to shoot him. Great. Thank you. I forgot. Well, is it mental or is it just because he's on PCP? I mean, PCP can cause you to have a mental breakdown. So that's, I feel like one fair. is not inherently independent of the other. But it's just well, it's just like his first instinct is like, ah, it's annoying to me. Let's just shoot it. Like, yeah. No, but thank for you. now, But for now, the gentleman rips the lights off the ambulance because he's on PCP. This is our second PCP, uh, um, not victim, PCP <laughs> user in in the series so far. We had the other guy who was like the seven feet tall one. Oh, that, like, that stood up on his stood gurney. up on his gurney and bashed through the window like Frankenstein. Yeah, not stood up on his gurney. Stood up with his gurney. Well, yeah, stood up with his gurney. That was just getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. Also screaming for a woman. God, women are just the cause of everything. <laughs> we suck. So then we we go back to poor baby Carter, and Ed's roommate comes by. Olaf. And it's like, yes, Olaf. And Carter goes through this whole thing telling poor Olaf that Ed had passed. And he goes, oh, yeah, they told me that upstairs. I just wanted the remote control doohickey. He's, he's an asshole about it and keeps it with him, but I figure he won't mind now. And Carter's just like, okay. Because they had told Olaf that Carter had his possessions. Carter's just living in the world of strange. <laughs> and then from there, we go back to PCP Man. And Carol is, like, goading him to spit on her and distracting him. While Shep climbs the ambulance with a double dose of Haldol. 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 And, um, and stabs him in the leg with it as he's distracted trying to spit on Carol. And then the minute he gets it in, they both go, yes, perfect shot. And so they get him down off the rig. So then we jump upstairs to the Peds Clinic where White Knight Doug is on his way to burn down some institutions. And uh, he runs into Chloe and uh, she's taking little Susie out for a walk and kind of dodges Doug's questions about whether or not Susan is aware that she's there. And just the whole thing seems very off. I definitely watching this like fresh, um, you know, not really remembering where we go with this. I definitely thought she was kidnapping little Susie. I did too. The way that she just kind of rushes off with her and is like, yeah, I got to go by. Like I was like, Oh, she's kidnapping that child, but that's not where we go with it. Spoilers. Is it possible to even kidnap your child when you have sole custody? I mean, legally, probably not. But just morally, ethically speaking here, I mean... Fair enough. Chloe is not the primary caregiver for little Susie. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um, and speaking of Susan, she we go to her next. Uh, she is removing taped-up razors from a prisoner's stomach, which, you know, seems pretty important, but... The guy's, I guess, the guy's not bleeding internally, so uh, I guess the dude just wanted to get out of the hospital, uh, get out of the, get out of jail for yeah. a little bit, so, but didn't want to hurt himself. So they find out that he taped the razors as she pulls the first one out. Yeah, so uh, she's like, so Susan's in the middle of it, and Carrie comes in, tells her she needs to, tells uh, Susan that she needs to stop because she didn't go through Carrie. 
to get that approved. And Susan yells to go get Mark, and Mark, trying to do his best managerial thing, essentially sides with Carrie while not siding with anyone at all, and really just ends up pissing off both of them. Uh, Yep. Try to make everybody happy, end up making no one happy. Because he essentially goes like, all right, stop it for now. If he starts bleeding, we'll scope him. Like, we'll keep an eye on him, but we're not doing shit. From there, we find Carter sitting, I think, in the lounge at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And someone drops off Ed's liver. And they're like, here, uh, they arranged to have this um, dropped off for a study. You need to be, can you please arrange, like, get it there. So Carter's just day will not end. He just looks at this thing and is just disgusted and heartbroken and 80 different emotions fly across his face. And just this, the saga of Ed will not end. Um... (laughs) And from there, we we zip over, and Mark is giving just a super awkward interview to Wendy. She asks what his most exciting, like, trauma was, and he come he he lists one off, and then she goes, "And what happened?" And he goes, "Oh well, he he died." It's a really it's a really funny read from him. Like, it is for a guy who doesn't get a lot of zingers, like doesn't you know, especially competing with Clooney and Carter, like he does not get very many chances to be purely funny, and he does a really good job here. So we actually get, I think, one of the more fun moments of the episode right after this. Susan uh, goes to sit down at the admit desk to discover that Carrie has installed voice instructions on the computer, uh, her voice specifically. So you know, Susan is just surrounded by Weaver at all times, like can't escape her. But just before she sits, she goes to sit down there, she passes a bulletin board where they are like switching out staff pictures, um, which we've never really seen before. Certainly never made any kind of, we've never given any pause to before. Um, But as she's passing by, I noticed on the left hand side of it, very prominently is a big picture of Michael Ironside, uh, Swift. So we get one last picture, one last appearance of, of Wild Willie. Um, and other quote-unquote staff members that were included, which I found through IMDb Trivia, uh, included John Wells, the showrunner, and producers Joe Sachs and Wendy Spence Rosado, um, who are huh. all dressed up as as doctors with like lab coats and stethoscopes and everything. So I just thought that was a cute little Easter egg in there. And then we we flip back over. Carol walks into the bathroom, and we hear a Tibetan singing bowl, and then we hear Susan. Um. <laughs> And Carol just looks under the stall, shakes her head, goes back to what she's doing. Just like, not even, she she gets Susan. She knows Susan's probably had a rough day. She just leaves it alone. But it's just great that it's showing Susan is this fucking stressed that she took a Tibetan singing bowl into the bathroom of the ER to try and find a moment's peace. Look, she's doing her best, okay? She really is. And speaking of people doing their best, uh, we have Carter and Harper in our next audio clip here. They're talking about Ed passing, and it's just a nice little bit of character development between the two of them. Hey, didn't see much of you today. Whatever happened to old Ed? Ed? Yeah. They transplanted him? He died. From the tap? No. Not directly. So are they taking away your sub-eye? Are you kidding? Hicks and Bent were so excited about getting to do a tips on the guy, they were glad I screwed up. Thing is, I didn't really care either. When they put the needle through, all I thought was, there goes my surgical career. 
So here he is. What a way to go, huh? Well, from the looks of things, he knew how to have a good time. We said we give him a send off. What? Get your coat. I like the two of them. I do too. They're cute. But yeah, Carter really is just trying his best, and he really thought he was doing the right thing. But alas, not everything's going to work out for you there, Mr. John. And I'm just glad she has his back and is so supportive. Like, she knows exactly who he is and is not, like, is not fooled by any of his putting on airs. And just likes him for the goofy idiot that he is and is like, yeah, we're all going to have bad days. What can I do? And we then um, see Carol is leaving for the day. She has finished with her ride-alongs, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that, but she's now done with her certification and she's she's not going to be riding along with Shep and Raul anymore. And as she's headed out... Shep and Raul are cleaning the rig, and Shep asks her out. And she's like, I just got out of a relationship, I'm still processing. And then he's just being a little shithead about it. He's like, you know what your problem is, Hathaway? You've gone out with too many doctors. You're shopping in the Gucci's when you should be in automobiles. Come on, dude. (laughs) Yeah. So, she agrees. She deserves Gucci's, you bastard. She does deserve Gucci's, (laughs) but... You don't know what she's been through. But Tag was like department store brand Gucci's. He wasn't actual yeah. Gucci. <laughs> Tag was knocked off. Tag was definitely knockoff Gucci. Yeah. Um. So they have a date for Shaw's on Friday night at eight o'clock. Yeah. You're uh, you're shopping for Gucci's, and then she says, "Oh yeah, take me out to Shaw's, which is a very nice restaurant." Yeah. <laughs> Shaw's Friday night at eight. Um. Okay. Let's spend your entire paycheck. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say. Res. EMTs do not get paid very much. I'm told it's really good, though. I've never actually been. I think I've been once. Have a quick little cut. Benton is waiting for Jeannie as he wants to talk. And he gets blown off. And we'll come back to them in just a minute. Yep. Sitting in the cafeteria by himself like an idiot. And then we go and Doug has brought has bought a sweet little stuffed elephant for Cheche. And he looks over and he sees the mom crying and sitting on the floor in the corner and Doug goes over and like pats her gently and is like, hey, what's wrong? What's going on? This wasn't your fault. And she goes, no, it's my fault. He has AIDS and that I, you know, and that I don't. It was punishment. And Doug just sits next to her and just like awkwardly like pats her on the back <laughs> and just like tries to soothe her without like being too touchy. And she just, she just leans over into him and he just kind of sits there with her and like rubs her hair and stuff and just tries to... Just tries to soothe her a little bit. Good boy, Doug. Good boy. Now we go back to Boo Lenton. <laughs> Peter is waiting for Jeannie by her house. Not okay. And yeah. Nope. Not okay. So let's listen to their not okay interaction. Peter, what are you doing? I waited 45 minutes. Wait, just hold on. No, no, you hold on. You couldn't even call me? I was going to call. So now you're even lying to me. I thought we had enough respect. I thought we had enough going on that we could at least talk to I each other. I need time to think. Time? How much time? Two weeks? A month? What was I supposed to do? Get a postcard or Keep something? Your voice no, back. don't tell me what. Hi. It's easy for you, Peter. I'm the one who's had to go home to my husband. You just hand out ultimatums. You demand answers. I... I knew your answer. Last week. Peter. What? 
I'm not ready to walk out of my marriage. Yeah, right. You are. You take care of yourself, buddy. Yikes. Yeah, what the fuck, Peter? Ugh. Just has no chill, and it's like, dude, she is married. She's got some shit she has to deal with. Calm down. Being real impatient. And don't show up at her fucking house. Yeah, definitely don't oh, be that. That's by her Still, place. Don't show up in her neighborhood. Causing a scene. Kind of a stalker move. Yeah, not cool. How much longer do we think we have for Boo Lenton? I uh, give it ten more episodes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're done with it, at least as, as currently constructed. I think we're done with it by the end of season two for sure. So I'm going to say probably the 10, 15 episode range is probably probably what we got before it gets really, really messy. All right. Uh, so we find out that Mark is going to be crashing at Doug's place. And surprise, Hulda from la- last week or two weeks ago. Since two weeks ago, yeah, I think. since season two has begun, she was the flight attendant who hurt her ankle or something, and like, and mm-hmm. was sort of flirting with Doug. We find out that they are now at least hooking up, if not outright dating, because um, she is in his apartment, buck ass naked, having just gotten out of the shower, just standing there massaging yeah, her yeah. wet hair with no towel. Very much prime. They're, they're taking full advantage of the prime time slot here. Got some real prime time side butt. And she says that she's going to go make him some lutefisk, which is fucking disgusting because that's basically fermented fish. Like, it's like a fish that they catch and then bury it underground for, like, a couple of weeks until it rots and ferments and then they cook it. It's fucking disgusting. Like, it's Ew. it's one of those things that they love to bust out on, like, food travel channel shows and, like, anyone who tries it always immediately gags. And I'm just like, it, it made me shudder when I heard that's what she was going to go fix for it there's no way that can be good i'd try it (laughs) all right doug how much do you really want to get laid (laughs) i think doug would go for it i think he would i think he would eat the fermented probably have you seen her not my type i feel like she got a little bit of a glow up between this episode and the i feel like she was a lot more like homely i guess is the word like i don't know like she just was much more maybe it had something to do with the fact that she was standing there naked and yeah, I was like, she, her glow up was that she was buck ass naked. It's true, but I just meant like and dripping wet. I almost thought it was shower. a different Stop. actress. Like her face would looked a little different to me, but regardless. Oh, fuck! So this this part of the episode, we good? Can yep. I go into the trash fire? Oh yeah. So Susan is leaving work, carrying little Susie. She's about to get her put in the in the, her little trashy vintage VW Beetle to go home. And she's parked by a fence. And on the other side of this locked fence is Chloe, who's shouting and saying hi to her. And Susan's like, who are you with? Chloe's like, oh, it's a friend of mine. She does she does uh, antique sell, shows yeah, or flea markets or something. Flea market. and, and, and Chloe goes, did you realize you can make a ton? And Susan's like, shit, you're tanked. Like, come over here. Let's go home. You're wasted. And... Chloe's like, no, I'm going on a road trip. We're going to go sell some stuff and make a bunch of money for me and little Susie. And Susan tries talking her down. And Chloe gets in a fucking convertible with this person that she's probably just met and drives off, abandoning little Susie, leaving her with Susan. Just bye. It'll yep. be fine. Bye. I'm, I'm going to go get you. money to buy us a house. It's fine. Yeah, she says something to the effect fire. of, like, bye. I have to do this or, like. Yeah. 
She's like, no, I have to go do this. It'll be fine. But she says it. So she, she doesn't say it in a, in a like dismissive like, I, this would be fun sort of way. She says it in almost a desperate, dark sort of way, which was like, I think maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like it tracks with the sort of unspoken subtext of her having some postpartum depression of like they haven't come right out and said that but they've certainly like alluded to it in different aspects with her of like something has not been right with chloe even more than usual since um little susie was born and that i feel like almost plays into that a little bit where it's like she's like no i have to get away from this i have to like i can't be here anymore but i think it also has to do with her utmost shame and how much she's how big of a fallen fuck by up the wayside in the stuff and how much she fucks up yeah and i think she's she's saying like she has to do it to prove it to herself too yeah yeah she says she's gonna go earn enough money for them to buy a house Whew, as if you needed a reminder that it was 1995 that you could reasonably expect even even drunk and loaded that you could reasonably expect that you might earn enough money at a flea market to buy a house eventually well she did say she wasn't good at math or computers <laughs> true but after that little dumpster dumpster fire of a scene uh we have Carter and Harper going to a place called Molly's and where Ed used to be a regular and Carper inadvertent uh, Carper. That's their well, ship that's name. Their it's ship happening. Name now. Shit. Carper. Oh, shit. It is decided. All right. Bulenton versus Carper. It's better than charter. Yeah, it's true. Or harder. Like, yeah, Carper works. I'm, I'm happy with Carper. We're going with Carper. Carper. Okay. <sighs> But okay, so Carper go go to Molly's bar, uh, which is where Ed was a regular, and Carter inadvertently sits on his stool that he always that he's always at and has a few beers in his honor, and they have the liver with them. <laughs> yeah. Which the bartender is just like, whatever, dude. Yeah. She goes, what? what do you What do you want? <laughs> What's that? A liver. Okay. All right. Cool. And they just have a lovely, lovely chat about Ed and. Toast to him. Yep. And then the episode closes with that fading to black and the real version of the song that Mitchell has been singing this whole episode. Da, 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 da. My favorite is I'm Da Vinci without the Mona Lise. Mm-hmm. Mona Lise? And they do that like five <laughs> times in the they, episode. Yeah, they, somebody in the writer's room liked that. Like, liked that, that line. Just stuck on it. They're just like, what the fuck? Anyway. So how do we feel about this one, gang? I liked it. I thought it was a solid episode. It moved everything along the way it needed to, which I feel like in the past 28 episodes has really been my criteria as does it get us where we're going. Yeah. Wasn't too much filler. Wasn't too meandering. No, I we got some. I, I loved it. Loved it. All right. Yeah, I loved it. I, I, I think for me, it's my, I mean, it's only granted it's only three episodes into season two, but for me, I think it's my best of season two so far. And yeah. I think it is a, a hidden gem. Like it's it's not one that I don't that I think anybody's ever gonna like list as like one of the best episodes of ER ever or anything. But it's one of those ones that like I I'm going back and rewatching it and like trying to find ways to pick it apart. I really couldn't for I mean there's little character moments that I don't like, but that's more timeline centric than it is episode centric. It's just where we are at the moment. But this this episode I felt like was really really solid and i really really enjoyed it that's about where i'm at it's a it's it's very solid it's not one of my favorites it won't make my top 10 list but it's solid yep just a good quality episode that like we like we're gonna come to expect from here on out yep 
Uh, well, that should just about wrap up our episode for today, then. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. Uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. Higher tier rewards, once unlocked, will include a special season recap uh, episodes, a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives at that moment, pop culture, etc., uh, etc., and also monthly movie commentaries we'll watch, where we will watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at Dan.U, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a uh, different pop culture topic each episode and uh, put it through a little mock trial. All right. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me lamenting my failed sourdough loaves at my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. And I am also on Twitter. I am at RandomGamer. That's G-A-M-3-R. And thank you again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. 